Welcome to the Continuous Delivery Podcast. My name is Chaba. I'm Kino. I'm Zerar. I'm Cheesy. So today we're going to talk about pet peeves and uh, what bothers us or what is what are things that that really we see in our uh, in our day-to-day coaching life and uh, what we experience as as coaches and I guess what's bothering us so he know yeah we we came up with this topic because uh cheesy was as as we were trying to figure out what we were going to talk about cheesy mentioned something that immediately made all the hairs on my head go go stand up and that's the concept of a technical user story the concept of a technical user story to me uh makes me cringe that just does not exist there is no such thing as um a user story that provides value that is solely technical so that we would need to call it a technical user story. It drives the wrong behaviors. It uh, does not allow for uh, real prioritization, uh, does not allow to to actually see how we are impacting the users and so forth that I can keep on going. But um, I'm sure there are some other ones as well that you guys have. So, you know, I would be curious how you think uh, we should track or be aware of pure technical uh, tasks? Track them as tasks. That's not a problem whatsoever. It's the, the fact that we call them technical user story that, that bothers me. I have no problems with specific tasks that uh, are not necessarily associated with a story, but provide um, functionality or capability for the delivery team. I have no problems with that, but don't call them user stories because that completely... So you're hung up on the name then, not the actual item I'm, itself. I'm hung up on the name and what and what that all of that actually means and, and how the users and how the uh, the delivery team actually understands the concept of that user story as a, as a result, right? Because suddenly everything becomes a user story and it's not. And there's no difference anymore between something that is slicing through all the layers of the architecture, providing value to your end users, and all the other stuff that supports it. I was simply going to say, I have a pet peeve around people who get too hung up on names, but that's okay. Mm, so, sir. Uh, so, so, you know, is it possible that people maybe don't know about the term of product backlog item? And, and instead of the PBI or the product backlog items, they, they just use user stories for for everything instead of just using PBIs? What, what do you think? There's a variety of reasons why this might happen. Uh, like there's a variety of reasons why you would have a front-end user story and a back-end user story, another one of those things, right? It's really for me uh, about the concept of are we providing value? Are we trying? Are we trying to create a unit of work that actually provides value? Or are we just mingling with tasks that do not necessarily altogether provide that value. And we're just making it easy uh, and call it a user story so that nobody can blame us for not delivering end-to-end functionality. I'm split on this both ways because on one hand... Front and no, to I'm back sl- end? The front or, and the back otherwise. end thing, is a, is a, that's another pet peeve, uh, which I have to deal with today on, on a different topic. Anyways, but, 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 the, but the visualization of work as technical user stories or technical tasks... I think it's good because the team is identifying something that they have uh, identified as a deficiency and they want to visualize work. And there's nothing wrong with visualizing work. We all encourage transparency and visualization and all that stuff. 
What I don't like about it is that it almost sets a precedent that if I want to make any technical improvements, I have to reflect it on the board as some sort of a product backlog item. And now you equate continuous improvement or improvement in your code base with an item on the board. That's the part that I don't like. And then the response to that, most people say, is that, well, what if it's something big? What if it's like a big technical task, like a redesign or a big refactor? And then the answer to that is, well, you should not really be ever in a situation where you need to do a major refactoring of something. So so I, I, I'm... I'm kind of split both ways on this one, but if I had to, if you put a gun to my head and said this is a good thing, I'd probably say probably not. There are better ways of doing it. Have you guys been in a situation where the team, when you read the user story and says that as a system, I want to, or something like that? So when 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 the team is trying to force this this task or this thing into a into the format of of an as a I want so that, have you guys seen that before? Cheesy's nodding his head when it's like an audio medium. Like nobody can see that, Cheesy. <laughs> you have your hand up, Cheesy. Can, oh, I, I thought Trombo was continuing. Sorry, I was giving him space. To okay. So I, I find that sometimes there are items that come across the, uh, the team, things like, for example, while wow, we've got a, an update to Angular and it's not straightforward, it's going to take a little while, you know, a couple of days to do it. We've got to make sure there's no impact or things like that that come across that are pure technical. As far as, as the, the labeling of it, uh, I personally don't care. I don't give a crap what they call it. For me, you know, I work in Kanban. I just want lots and lots of small things going across the board, and I, I don't really worry too much about the naming of it, as long as the product owner and the team are there to prioritize the team things that they're doing. They're all small, so so I really, really don't worry about that so much. Uh, the the one thing that I will say is that these technical things are things that have to be discussed by the whole team, the same way that that that. Uh, the stories, the, the traditional, what we would call traditional user stories, are discussed by the whole team as well. And the final thing that I'll say about this is that the small little things, like we do this little refactoring or whatever, that I, I typically would not put those on the board at all, but instead I would try to make sure that as I'm in the code, I'm able to do that. So what I'm really referring to are more of the, the, the things that come up once in a while that are more related to maintenance, for example, I used the example like, you know, we have to upgrade to a new version of Angular. There's there's significant impact or, wow, we've got to upgrade our version of Spring Boot or something like that where it's not just an hour or two here or there, but that it might actually take some dedicated time. Exactly. And and it requires specific work and it's definitely a task that needs to be uh, discussed across the entire team. And um, and you need to discuss that with a product owner as well. Absolutely. And you need to create visibility around the fact that this is happening. All of those things are absolutely true. Uh, I still stick with, uh, with my opinion. I do not want to see technical user stories because it's completely... Um, reducing or, or reducing the meaning of the word user story all by itself. How about user R? What is your pet peeve? 
Well, I'll say I'll stick with the user story theme, and but I'll extend it to product owners a little. Uh, and this pattern that I have seen is where we have inserted a business analyst to do the menial work of writing user stories. Uh, it's almost like we're in a situation where we're like, oh, writing user stories and doing this 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 work in whatever Jira or whatever your system of choice is. You know, it's just too good for the product owner. So we need to support uh, him or her with a BA so that they can focus on some of the big picture items. And what this ends up doing is it basically creates distance between the product owner and the team. You have literally inserted a gate between the, the person who knows about the product and the development team with this like this role, which which has a lot of value if 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 it's doing some other things but when you assign it as the you know the, the the story writer or the jira manager and you call it the business analyst it just has bad omens everywhere but my mind the main one that i i'm i'm picking on is the distance it creates between the product owner and the team it, it does something more as well by by making that the responsibility of a business analyst uh, and I agree with you that that this is this is not a good pattern that I've seen in multiple places as well. By making that the sole responsibility of the business analyst, suddenly it's no longer the responsibility of the team, right? And suddenly other people feel like, yeah, this is not our job. We're just consuming them, right? Uh, make sure that the stories are completely well written, that they are uh, clear, that they're well understood, that they have um, acceptance criteria and so forth as much as you possibly can without our input before we even ever lay our, own, our eyes on them, which obviously is also completely counter to what we're trying to achieve. On, on the topic of product ownership, I guess uh, one pet peeve that I have is product owners that, that maintain or keep a really large backlog. You know, I've, I've seen cases actually very recently where there were over 100 user stories in the backlog, you know, and, and uh, that, that tends to be a situation where they're not letting, the, they're not taking in learnings, you know, instead they're, they're focused on more of a waterfall as, as opposed to learn as they go along. So I have totally seen that. I don't think it's the product owner that is, is really, hey, they, they barely write user stories. So to ask them to write a hundred of them, <laughs> they're definitely not going to like like that. I, I think what, what, what drives that behavior is there is a need for dates coming from somewhere. And the best way people know how to create dates or estimate dates is to, is to figure out all the user stories your product needs, have some sort of estimation on top of it, and then come up with a date. So the, the creation of the user stories in those cases is not necessarily the goal. The goal is the estimate which somebody is asking, and that's really the main problem in, in, in some cases that, that I'm referring to. But, but I agree that if you're a product owner who's building a product which is trying to compete in the market, you need 100 user stories, yeah, you're, you're definitely doing something wrong. So Cheesy, what's your pet peeve? So I want to take it down a slightly different path, and I want to talk about a few pet peeves in the area of testing. So uh, th these are all three related, but, uh, but, but slightly different. One is this idea that testing is a different activity from development. You know, I'm going to build something for a period of time, and then, then I'm going to test it. And uh, that, in my experience, 
makes the development more difficult and makes the testing more difficult. But I'm going to pick up a few other things that are even more complex or more sinister on that space. So imagine another pet peeve is one in which uh, we believe that we need to hand off to somebody else to verify. So in other words, I build something and I need to give it to somebody else to make sure that it works. Again, adds huge amounts of waste to the process and drives quality lower every single time. And the final one is is just a continuation of that whole theme, which is cases where organizations have structured around different teams that maybe provide services, you know, and one thing that I have seen again and again is a service team relying on a front end team to do the testing for them. You know, I've written this service. I don't know if it performs well. I don't know if it's performant. I need my front end team to test it for me. And so again, each one of those cases is just examples of laziness. And, it, and this, this is the type of behavior that drives quality low and makes it far more difficult to be able to release software rapidly. It's interesting, Jesus, that you that you brought this up because I wanted to take to to very very similar uh, direction. My pet peeve and, and very similar to yours is when you completely deconstruct this this process and and you almost like fit it into a waterfall process in the sense that there is like some analysis happening at the at the beginning when you write only user stories kind of replacing that that kind of analysis phase then in the development phase the team is actually working in scrum and try to deliver that that th- those those user stories written in the previous phase and then kind of the testing phase when when potentially a different team or a different uh, could be even offshore they have to test it and 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 apparently this is this is agile. So that's that that's probably taking it even even to the extreme what you described, cheesy. When you take this back and when you look at, at this pattern in a, in an entirely different place, like for instance construction when you're constructing a bridge, every single person who is involved in constructing that bridge, from the architects all the way to the people pouring the concrete to the people doing the 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 metal work, uh, the steel work, and all that kind of stuff. Each and every one of those is responsible for ensuring that that bridge works, right? There's not a, a separate. It's it's not like it's not like they're delivering a bridge and then somebody else is going to drive over it and see if it works or not, and then they're going to go back with feedback and say, hey, hey you need to fix this or you need to fix that. That's not how it works. Each and every one of those people is responsible if anything happens to that bridge. That's in- indeed what you're referring to, Cheesy, that, that end-to-end responsibility and your contribution needs to work, period. You shouldn't rely on somebody else to test that for you. If you want a an extra pair of eyes on something because you've done you you you've done anything that's all great there's no problem with that but you still need to take responsibility for 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 it to work for it to be um according to to spec if you will i'll, I'll even say you know if you want that extra set of eyes don't wait to get it after the fact or expect something like a pull request review to do it pair program or mob as a team that that's the way to get the extra eyes on it Anybody else? Are the other uh, pet peeves? I have one. Uh, there, there's this view that 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 people uh, on our teams are fungible, or that even teams are fungible. You know that 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 everybody is the same. You know, and that we can just swap them around. So, you know, uh, and uh, uh, we we all know that in some cases that they're even called things like resources. And so, uh, I, I really have a problem with that. I, I think that. Uh, 
that 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 other than Taba laughing, you know, we're all. <laughs> but, but but cheesy. How is that different than uh, the concept of reteaming that I know that you, you you're a big fan of? Because isn't fungible moving people around reteaming? I might argue that they're sort of similar, aren't they? I think fungible is different than reteaming. Yeah, yeah. So reteaming is you bring a, a group together for a short short period of time for one specific focus, and so that that's one idea. But uh, I have a situation now where I was working with a group today, and they literally were the, the third team to be working on a on a feature, you know, and it was just passed around, and each time. Uh, more time was added to the overall delivery. People were wondering, why is this taking so long? You know, and so, uh, you know, not understanding that that there there is a little bit of a ramp up and such. But the other thing that I'll say about the reteaming, which is that t- teams that, that, that do a lot of reteaming become really good team players. They, they, they start to learn how to rapidly join with new people quickly work through the the whole norming processes that normally would have or actually bypass them all together. So that's a little bit different thing than saying, oh, this thing that I asked Zora to do, let me just pick it up and give it to somebody else because they're all the same. They're all just developers, you know. So uh, it's a little nuanced. So what you're referring to, Cheesy, and you brought up at the very end is, is where that initiative comes from, really. Uh, if that initiative is external and say like, hey, you're a Java developer, go and help this other team because they are a Java developer short, is very different from, hey, these are the five different problems that we want to solve. Is there anyone from our uh, from our staff who is willing to do that, put some time out of their day, feels like uh, they have an uh, affinity with this particular problem and so forth? That's a, a very different approach, right? And that's, that's ultimately what that fungibility, or, or at least that's how I interpret it, Cheesy, and I'm totally on board with uh, you, uh, you saying that this is a pet peeve. It is for me as well. Um, for me, when I, when I hear the word resources, I'm thinking of a printer cartridge. Uh, people are not printer cartridges. There is an awful lot more to it than that. Um, and, um, and yeah, we, we should just stop using that word altogether, period. Um, and, and refer to, to them as, as the value that they bring. I, I got one and, and I wrote a little a blog about this today because it just, uh, it was very frustrating for me. And it really has to do with people or developers managing state when they don't need to manage state. It's it's so annoying to me, and I, and I don't understand why your mind even goes there. Uh, because state management is probably the number one source of bugs uh, that I know of, the other one being concurrency. Uh, but state management, for sure, it just bugs the hell out of me. And the, and the, and the example that I encountered today was, you know, uh, you know, our, you know, our favorite framework, Angular, right? You write an Angular component, and something is being displayed on the screen. And we just have a tendency to create instance variables in our Angular components for everything that's displayed on the screen and then update them when things changes. That's a great source of bugs. And it's also harder to test. It makes for very awkward tests when you have that situation. And instead, what we should be doing is really try to create methods in our, at our component level, which are ideally... Uh, pure functions, but if not pure functions, I get it because you may have to communicate with stores and so on. But at the very least, they should not be modifying state 
uh, of the Angular component as much as they as they should. That way, they also become a little bit more testable as well. So that's a one pet peeve that that, that I encounter almost on a daily basis. Uh, I'm going to add a couple more coding things, and we, we got to be careful because we're getting in the code. We're, we're going to stretch this off to an hour, but just lack of object-oriented design concepts, uh, folks breaking encapsulation, so pulling data out of objects all over the place to actually understand the state of the system would be one. Uh, primitive obsession is another really uh, big smell that I that I dislike or pet peeve. So. So this was, I guess this concludes today's continuous delivery podcast. Thank you very much, guys.